I'm Eric Martin. Welcome to Feeding Your Passion, the podcast for the entrepreneur and the food connoisseur. I'll be your host for our exclusive VIP dining experience where you'll meet top restaurateurs and other special guests. First, you'll get to know our celebrity restaurant owner, enjoy an amazing front-of-the-house virtual culinary experience, and then wrap up by learning key action steps, insights, and inspiration for thriving in the food service industry. Now, let's get rolling. All right, Passion Nation, welcome to Episode 10 of Feeding Your Passion, the podcast for the entrepreneur and the food connoisseur. I'm your host, Derek Martin. I'm, I'm so excited to be here today with the amazing Anna Dolce out of Southern Florida, out of Miami. Okay, Anna, before I give you a full and proper introduction, say what's up to Passion Nation. Hi, Passion Nation. What's up? Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on, Eric. You bet. All right. We're going to get into some amazing content today. So Anna Dolce is a life and business strategist, hospitality expert, writer, and keynote speaker. Originally from Georgia, not the peach state, but from (laughs) Europe, Georgia in Europe. Anna was an entrepreneur at the age of 17. Then by age 18, she had won two national titles as Miss Georgia. It was nominated for the Georgia Business Mind of the uh, Business Mind of the Year Award. Since then, Anna relocated to the United States, entered the hospitality industry, where she led multiple restaurant operations before owning her own. Anna has spoken from the TEDx stage and is a freelance writer for several publications in the hospitality industry. She speaks at major conferences and industry shows on the topics of service versus hospitality entrepreneurship, leadership, sales, and organizational culture. So she has quite a background, and I'm so excited to dive into some extremely important topics today. Anna, we appreciate you spending time with us as we're all coming out of this pandemic, and uh, you're like a boxing coach. You're going to be like (laughs) a boxing coach today, okay? Are we coming out of it, Eric? I don't know if we're coming out of it. (laughs) Well, we're heading that way. It's it's definitely in. Yeah, it has definitely impacted all of our (laughs) daily lives for sure. Uh, I know we all thought we'd be out of it by now, so uh, but we're going to fight. So the the title of today's episode is going to be Annihilate COVID with the Hospitality Effect. So this is going to be Anna's unique perspective on how to annihilate uh, COVID and and allow the hospitality effect and hospitality mindset to impact our business. So Anna, as we jump in, Mm -hmm. uh, you are so well-versed in these topics. Why don't you start out by talking about the psychology behind hospitality? Sure. So um, there's a lot to cover, Eric, but I'll I'll try to make it simple. Um, You know, I talk a lot about service and hospitality and in our business or in any business, when you hear service and hospitality, they're kind of bunched up together. You know, people use these two terms interchangeably, but they're not one and the same. They're interrelated, but they're completely two different aspects of business. And I always say, if regarded that way, they can change the results you create. Um, so if um, I start describing service, 
um, service is a practical part of delivering your offer. So whether you're selling software or chicken wings, service service is a practical part, the utilitarian part of what we do, right? Um, it's precise and uniform. You know, the food is cooked, garnished, plated, presented in the same manner um, in order every time. The service is disciplined, duplicated, and all waiters in a restaurant, for example, are trained um, on service the same way. And service is important. Service is level one, right? It's because without service, your customers won't trust you and you don't have a business. It's like if I book an airline ticket, if I book a, a flight to New York, um, I expect to arrive to New York on time with my bags and safely. If you can't deliver that, you don't have a business. Uh, but service alone is not going to keep you in business. Um, when you're only focusing on, focus, on, on service, you're becoming transactional. And I always say being transactional in business does, does not create sustainable results, sustainable success. Um, so to continually sell your product, you must induce a certain kind of emotion in people. And what that is done by is by hospitality. And hospitality is Another part of kind of it, like I said before, hospitality and service are interrelated, but hospitality is the emotional part of it. It's the emotion inducing element of providing service because service is physical labor and hospitality is the emotional labor. Emotional labor, meaning things that you do with your emotion, you actually work your emotions to do something for or with people. Um, service is precise and uniform, and hospitality is very fluid and flexible. Service is disciplined, trained, duplicated, and hospitality is nurtured and cultivated. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. And I think <laughs> during this time, people have realized the human element more. We were all going Mach 2 with our hairs on fire, just using our willpower to power through and run our businesses. <laughs> but but people have slowed down to realize, hey, the human element, man, without that, is it worth it, right? Correct. Like, I think that's the biggest thing that we're learning right now in our industry because we're so process-focused, right? And then right now, the, all the process is unraveled. Nobody has a process right now. Everybody's rediscovering the process. Some people are learning what the process means even, so um, I think that's the biggest lesson right now. You know, what, is, what really matters, right? On the personal level, on the business level, um, I don't know a human being right now who's not asking themselves those questions. Right. And I'm, I'm you know, I have to admit, I'm a process guy. And, <laughs> and so having that process down to keep things running smoothly from day to day is important. But without the human element that you're talking about, that you're diving deep on, I would agree that it does become transactional. So uh, that hospitality component is extremely important. Agreed. So what I always say is there are three things that your customers connect with. There's product, service, and experience. And when they connect with your product, they're interested, right? When they connect with your service, they're appreciative. But when they connect with the experience, they're wowed, they're amazed, they're loyal, they want to repeat that experience. And a lot of times business leaders make mistakes um, around hospitality. And the first one is the ambiguity. You know, they don't know what it really means. Because service can be measured, managed, controlled, like you're a process guy, like you said, you can control that process. You can manage and measure that process. 
and service is explicit and clear. You either deliver that food of plate of food to the table or you didn't. There is no in between. Um, uh, but hospitality is more obscure, right? You don't know what people feel. You you can't know what people feel a lot of times. And how do you how do we even measure and control that? What's the system of and if we can, what's the system of making people feel that way every time? It just so sounds so unclear, so inconclusive and so kind of vague, right? Right. Um, but as soon as we resign, we, we throw our hands in the air and say, you know, screw it, we're just going to focus on process and we start caring, stop caring about hospitality, our business and clients suffer. As soon as we start to control hospitality, it ceases to exist. And then the second mistake I always say people make, leaders make um, around hospitality is they think it's a strategy, right? Hospitality cannot become a strategy. It needs to be benevolent. It needs to be given freely, perpetually, and in abundance. You cannot just strategize and say, well, if I treat people this way, they're going to treat me this way. Then that's not hospitality anymore. Service is performed, right? Administered, conducted, executed, managed, uh, satisfied, transacted. But hospitality is simply given. Yeah, and I think right now, and, and you're diving deep. I mean, this is a complex, deep topic that's so important to be delivered, talked about, and implemented, and to become experts on in our industry. I mean, habits have changed to some degree. And when we look at food away from home, there are people that are, you know, going to delis and, and buying, um, you know, home meal replacement items. And, and um, so when we we think about bringing them back into the restaurants, which are so vital to every community around the country and around the world. I think the hospitality component to, to keep them coming back to our restaurant and creating that sustainable traffic. I'm hearing, and I'm hearing a lot of restaurant owners now say, you know what? I was, you know, I had a five to 6% margin pre COVID. I wanted, you know, and I was spending a hundred hours a week. I want to learn some techniques and, and some things and look at my business differently so that I can create a more sustainable business now. So mm-hmm. talk to us more about how to unleash hospitality and let that impact our business because then we help people, you know, we want the habits to be to come to our operation. And if they want home meal replacement, we give them home meal replacement from our operation with our menu items on a consistent basis. But talk to mm-hmm. us about how to unleash that hospitality mindset in our food service operations? Yeah, sure. So hospitality has three main elements. There are a lot of elements, but the three main tangible ones that I will give you. Um, And without, you know, we can say like, okay, well, we we need to provide hospitality. We need to give hospitality, but we don't really know what it means and how to embody it, right? So the first element is generosity, and that's assuming the most generous things about people, words, intentions, and their behavior, just assuming positive intent. Generosity is not, I'm not talking about generosity in the sense of like, you need to give free food and drinks to your people. Um, So this means uh, assuming the most positive things about people when it's inconvenient, when they're challenging you, when, when when they're complaining, when it's when they're being critical, when they're being indecisive, when they're demanding, right? In those situations, if you're able to stay generous, 
Um, you will approach your, uh, your customers differently. You will approach and think of your business differently. You're not going to think they're out there to destroy you. You really will understand that all they really want to do, people who are um, demanding, complaining, indecisive, who are critical, they're not out to get you. They're really trying to just meet their needs. And if you can be there and level with them, on, get on that level with them and really make them feel seen and heard, you've provided hospitality. Uh, second element of hospitality is empathy. It's to actively listen and recognize another person's emotion and stay out of judgment. And that's really hard to do because we're human beings and we love to judge so much. Um, but active listening means you don't just listen to the words, but you listen to the emotions which uh, are communicated to you without words. Um, and staying out of judgment means you, even if you don't agree with another person, you realize that their feelings and their opinions are valid, even if they don't coincide with yours. And then Empathy is essentially a heartfelt understanding. It's essential for your customers to trust you and they won't trust you if, you if they don't feel you have empathy for them. So that's the second element of hospitality, empathy. And then the third is connection, building connection with your customers. How do you do that? You can build connections in so many ways by not using all size fits all approach or one size fits all approach. Um, by keeping it personal and not transactional, by going out of your way for them, by learning their names, what's important to them, showing your appreciation, um, building your building connections with your guests is just what helps them feel seen, heard, understood, and acknowledged, and inherently good about themselves. That's what we're really doing. We're really in the business of emotions. If you think about it, doesn't matter what you're selling, and what you need to provide is the emotional exchange which assures your clients of their decision to work with you, to engage with you. Does that make sense? It does. So it's kind of a generosity of the heart and, and totally. kind of love, kind of choosing love in the present moment, regardless of how ornery they are or how they're working and maybe even not caring about the outcome. If we pour love into them, they may or may not respond in a positive way. Right. But, as long as we're doing our part, it sounds like you're saying that right. we're going to create that hospitality uh, feeling and connection that makes a difference. And in more way, and, and you can put this in many ways, but I believe that when your output is there, the input will come. Like you don't need to worry about few people who won't understand it, or you know, sometimes have you had a, a, a time when you say hi to someone and they just like look away. You know, in a restaurant setting, like people come in or a restaurant and you say hi to them and it's like they don't greet you. But that doesn't matter. You know, you're still giving the output and it still matters. Believe it or not, it still matters. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, good. Talk to us about how to hire for that. You know, if we're looking for people, they're going to carry out this hospitality mindset uh, in our businesses. What are some tips that mm -hmm. you got uh, for hiring for, to create the hospitality atmosphere. Yeah, definitely. So a uh, lot of business owners that I speak to, they think that they can somehow train people into being hospitable. And I don't believe in that. I mean, you can bring some of that out of people, but either a person has it or not. 
either I am generous or I'm not. Either I am empathetic or I'm not. You cannot train me or course me or uh, coach me into doing it, right? So the idea is to find people who already have those natural habits in them, who really are hospitable. There are people like that, people in helping professions, people in um, I would hope a lot of people in restaurant business would have a natural hospitality emanating from them. But sometimes you don't see that. Sometimes I wonder, you know, why is this person at the hostess stand? They shouldn't be greeting people, right? Or why is this person waiting on the table? Um, but we sort of, we go into this um, desperate hiring, not just in hospitality, but in most businesses, right? We get so desperate and we just uh, right. find bodies. We find warm bodies, but warm bodies are not producing what we want them to produce. They're not bringing us the results right. that we want. They don't create hospitality. So you look for these ingredients that I talked about. You look for these uh, character traits in people and you hire those people. That's what you do. And you don't get desperate when you get that. I mean, when I was running a restaurant, I would rather do the job myself than have a warm body perform it and then not do well by my guests or drop the ball in a, another way. Like I'd rather do it myself. So, um, yeah, to not get desperate. Right. So learning, uh, when we think about building a sustainable business and not having to, uh, it's that mindset that we've all had. I mean, leaders want to get the job done. They want to do it themselves, but then that ends up being 80 hours a week, 90 hours a week, hundred hours right. a week. So it's really important that we learn and embrace the mindset of hiring the right people, right? And, and hiring Absolutely. people with the hospitality mindset. Yeah. And you know, you have to learn how to identify these traits in people. It's not okay to, um, conduct an interview and ask basic questions like where do you want to be in five years, you know, or the basic interview questions that we always ask, you know, where did you work before? Does it really matter? Does it really matter? What did they, what did they work before? You want to kind of understand their psychology. I have this um, 50 question questionnaire for actually restaurant owners. And these are questions that are like off the wall questions. Your interviewee might look at you like, why are you even asking me that? Um, but it really reveals their character. You want to have a conversation when you're doing an interview. You don't want to grill them with questions that they already know you're going to ask. They have rehearsed them. They know what to give you. They know what to answers to give you. And then you're hiring the wrong person. So, um, no, it's not okay to do the 80 hour weeks. It's not okay to, uh, do the job yourself. You just have to get better at interviewing and finding the right people. Great. That'll be a nice value. And as we wrap up, we will let all of our listeners know how they can connect with you. And, and uh, there's a lot of value you're investing into the industry. So uh, we will make sure that they have everything they need to connect with you as we wrap up. So sure. that is great. So, so from a hospitality perspective, let's talk about, you know, a few, few practical things. What are some ideas with a hospitality mindset for maximizing the impact of special events like birthdays and anniversaries. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about that? I think it's, it really depends on the venue and the person and the, uh, the event itself. Right. But I'll give you an example. If you want, um, just this past Thanksgiving, I was out in a restaurant and I'll give you an example of, um, what 
could have been done in this situation and what happened. Um, I was out for Thanksgiving evening um, for dinner and I had requested a table outside. And this is this um, very popular place in Miami, kind of a special event place where if you have a birthday anniversary, uh, if you have like a, if you want to go on a fancy date, you go to this restaurant. It has an exquisite view of the city beautiful patio, uh, wonderful food, full service, um, really what I call a legitimate restaurant where you feel like you're right. taken care of, right? Sure. Um, so I, I booked the table, I requested the table outside, and when we approached, when me and my guests approached the hostess stand, the host informed me that there will be an hour wait for outside, and I will not be seated until hour, hour 15 from now. I said, well, that's funny. I requested a table outside. We're here at the time of our reservation. What's the issue? Um, she said, well, it's a very desirable area. And we don't guarantee that you're going to be seated out there. Um, and sorry, it's going to be an hour wait. Um, we were kind of deliberating if we should have taken the table inside, which was available right away, or just wait an hour. Wait an hour. And I'm the kind of person that doesn't like to settle. <laughs> doesn't sure. like to settle on the restaurant level. I feel like if you settle on restaurant level, you settle in life. Um, right. It doesn't mean that you need to be demanding or uh, anything, but I think you should get what you ask for. You know, the, if they are if they are promising, if, you, if there's a promise that the restaurant says this is what we promise you, I think they should fulfill that promise. So. Um, we were kind of deliberating whether or not to wait. And I ended up speaking to a manager and saying, Hey, you know, this is what happened. Can you please check in and see what's going on and see if it can be expedited in any way? We were seated in less than 10 minutes outside at the most desirable table. And while right. we were sitting, um, my guest is asking me, um, you know, how come, not that he's asking me, but we were just, he was, I guess, making a comment like, you know, we were seated much faster than we, we were quoted. And I, and I said to him, yeah, because there are three hostesses at the front desk. One of them could have been circulating if this is a highly desirable area. They could have been circulating and finding out what the actual wait time was. But they did quote us an hour and 15 minutes. That made me go and seek the manager and do what I needed to do to kind of get what I wanted. But a lot of people would have right. not done that. Most people would have not done that. They would have taken right. the table that was not of their choice, right? Sat there and kind of settled. Um, right. And that's problematic because this is a destination place. This is why, and I, and I, I told the hostess explicitly, and I wrote it in my notes when I was booking the table, this is a special occasion. <laughs> I want to sit outside, but it was right. overlooked, right? So you're asking, what can you do in these situations? Hospitality, you know, going out of your way. You could have been circulating the patio and saying, yeah, you know, we would have not even waited. She would have not even had to tell us that it was going to be a wait. She would have just said, you know, I'll be right with you. The table was pretty much already open. We were seated right away. Um, Absolutely. So it's these details that matter. You know, why do you have three people up front misquoting when you can be filling that area right away, when you can be giving totally different answers up front? Like it's th those little details is what makes the difference, right? So I don't right. think I can give you this general answer like, you know, this is what you have to do. But 
details matter and every interaction needs to be taken seriously and every detail needs to be taken seriously, especially when it's a special occasion, right? When I'm talking about connecting with guests, how do you connect with them? You know, do you understand what's important to them? Why are they here? What are they trying to get out of the experience? And then you deliver that. Perfect. Yeah. So truth is important. I mean, she didn't, they obviously had not circulated, like you said, and so they did not have all the facts. So they were not bit, they were not able to communicate with you in a truthful way. Right. Maybe they didn't intentionally do it, but but they didn't have all the facts to do right. it effectively. That is just the system. I don't think she had an ill will. I think it's right. just the system that's trained. You know, you don't go and communicate with waiters. And my my guest was asking, well, well how would she know? When are people getting up to time it correctly? And, you know, being in the restaurant industry, I know you don't always know, but you make your best guess and you can come pretty close to it if you communicate well with servers when you're a hostess, right? Right. So you've kind of given a three-pronged value bomb to the restaurant owner that's listening to this. There's some great advice to the server that's listening to this or, or to the hostess that is up front, you know, they've kind of learned some things that they can do to help uh, set them apart from other venues and from other hostess. And then also to the food connoisseur. So this podcast is for the entrepreneur and the food connoisseur. And so for the food connoisseur that is going out to dinner, that expects to have a great experience, they need to understand how to engage the restaurant. You didn't settle for, you knew the steps to take uh, to kind of break through the minutia of the moment. And uh, so that's great advice all the way around. I So many times when my family goes out to dinner and, you know, the, I kind of get a feel for the restaurant and they'll start taking us to one table. And I'll say, hey, can we grab that table right there? And my <laughs> wife's like, I, you know, I don't, even, I don't even question it anymore. I know you're going to ask for the table that you want, you know, because <laughs> if you're going out to dinner, you want the experience, right? Absolutely. You should be seated where you want and you should get exactly what you came for. Absolutely. So that's good practical advice from a uh, front of the house experience. Um, How can we implement the hospitality effect? Okay. And we want to, and Anna, annihilate COVID as we come (laughs) out of this, your unique perspective, you're sharing great information, great value bombs as we roll through. So from a back of the house perspective, let's, I mean, is there a way to tie this hospitality mindset into um, creating specials or new uh, item develop, new menu item development, um, or to the, the uh, line cook or chef plating an item? What, let's talk about the hospitality mindset, mindset from a back of the house perspective. Mm-hmm. We can go in many directions on this. Um, I would say, you know, things are changing like rapidly. I think restaurant industry has grown in the last six or yeah, six or so months um, by like, I don't know, uh, there's been like a decade worth of growth that's happening industry in the industry right now. And that applies to the back of the house and things are kind of, you know, um, set. I, th- I think the back of the house is the most set in their ways kind of part of the restaurant, right? This is what we've always done. This is what works. You know, the process is not changing. 
Um, and I think a lot more fluidity needs to be introduced in the back of the house as well. There are the habits of consumers that we're, we're eating differently, we're buying differently, we're eating different things. Um, so it really, I would say, it really depends on the uh, concept. What are you trying to do? What was your promise before COVID? And what is your promise now? Have you looked at your processes? Have you looked at the menu? Have you adjusted anything? Maybe you don't need to, but maybe you do. A lot of people do. Uh, so I think the biggest thing I would say is to stay nimble, stay flexible, and appreciate the growth and don't have the the mindset of like, no, this is how we've always done it. We're just going to continue with this menu because this is what works. And maybe it does. Again, maybe it does, but I would look at that. So one area, uh, one area that research is showing is going to be important as we move forward in the industry are functional foods. A lot of people are looking at gut health, becoming a lot more educated on what that means, looking at the products that are selling in the grocery segment and and there's going to be a need uh, in to implement those things into the food service side of the business. And so what you said is be flexible, understand the customer. And if they want things that are going to help them boost their immunity, then we probably need to be flexible enough to do the research to find out what those plates are. Right. Right. And if you do that, you would have to educate your customer that you're doing it. If you're a uh, Texas yeah. barbecue place and all of a sudden you talk about gut health and you want to change your menu that way, you might lose some people yeah. because that's not what they're coming to you for. So I think you need sure. to have a real good uh, sense of self, like who are you as a restaurant and then uh, and then kind of enhance the menu in that way, like without losing yourself, right? That's right. And, and I, I mean, smoked chicken and green beans and a salad. I mean, there there are... Even in that venue, there are things that would hit uh, that need, you know, as well. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds good. Well, good. So those are some back-of-the-house ideas. Thank you for that. I think staying flexible is uh, great advice. And uh, so let's let's move into uh, the final crumbs, kind of a lightning round segment. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got some uh, key questions we have. Appreciate all the value that you have given us today on this. So as we move into the lightning round, the final crumbs, one of my favorite quotes is, I'd rather eat a crumb from the table of a winner instead of eating a full meal from the table of a loser. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but I I think it's important in life to to find people who are where we want to be, who have done what we want to do, and that we're careful who we take advice from. So we're hanging out with Anna today. She's in the arena. She's got the smoke of battle on her. She's got tremendous experience. So this is the final crumb from the table of a winner. So um, we're excited about what you're going to share with with our listeners on this lightning round. So what is the one thing, Anna, that you're the most passionate about today? Helping business leaders put their people ahead of process so they can take their business to another stratosphere of growth and profit. That's great. And, and I want to encourage everybody that when you connect with somebody on what they're passionate about, the service they deliver is above and beyond. And, and so you're passionate to help a lot of people with things that they need, you know, so that's great. Mm-hmm, so what is the best, what is the best advice 
you've ever received? Um, there's so many because I do read a lot and I have a lot of virtual mentors. Um, I would say the best one is leaders, leaders who don't listen will be eventually surrounded by people who have nothing to say. That's probably the best one I can think of. Wow. It is so true. And it kind of goes hand in hand with what I teach and what I'm about hospitality, right? Wow. That's like a body blow right there. That is, <laughs> right? That is good. I've heard a lot of quotes and a lot of yeah. advice, but I've not heard it stated that exact yeah. way. Leaders who don't listen will be eventually surrounded by people who have nothing to say. It's Perfect. So true. So true. So what book would you recommend to Passion Nation and why? Hmm. I think the most appropriate for your audience, Eric, will be um, A Slice of the Pie by Nick Cirillo. Have you heard of it? You know, I have heard of Nick Cirillo. I don't, I, I have not read that book. Let's okay. put it that way. I think whether you own a restaurant, whether you have uh, uh, any kind of business, doesn't matter what kind of business you have, it's a book to read, even though it is about um, a story of a restaurant. Um, Nick has two, I believe, I believe two locations. Last time I checked, it was two locations of um, Nick's Pub and Pizza. It's in Elgin and Crystal Lake, uh, Michigan. Or no, Michigan, okay. Illinois, excuse me, Illinois. Okay. Um, uh, right outside of Chicago. And he is, Nick is top 10 busiest independent pizza joint in the U.S. Uh, wow. They have twice the margins. They have less than 20% turnover and they're bringing in, at, at least at the writing of his book and when I spoke to him in person, they're bringing in a three and a half million plus per location. And right. what the book is, and those are incredible numbers and stats. And For what, a pizza how restaurant. Yeah. Yep. And he attributes all of that to the culture that he has created and the purpose that he's defined for his restaurant. So I would urge you to read that book no matter what business you're in. Great. Sounds great. That sounds like a great book. So mm -hmm. share one piece of advice for food service sales professionals to help them earn trusted advisor status with chefs and restaurant owners. Sure. I would say um, having dealt with a lot of, you know, food sales pros myself, um, you are in consultative sales, right? You need to master right. it. I don't think most of them look at it that way. You know, I've dealt with a lot of kind of sleazy car salesmen types or order takers. And I'm not saying everybody's this way, by the way, but, um, it's very rare that I come across a person who really has mastered sales and doesn't matter what you sell, but in the food sales, you're, you need to be a consultant. You need to be that trusted advisor. And I think the way you do that is by going out of your way, by becoming more than just an order taker, uh, by supplying things that you are not expected to supply, right? Maybe, maybe some knowledge, maybe some, it can be some extra product, but that's not what I'm alluding to at all. It doesn't have to be extra product or it doesn't have to be free food. Um, your presence matters. You know, I, there's not many that I've met in person. And if I have uh, one or two people stand out, on, stand out in my mind and they became like a part of our family when I was running and owning a restaurant. 
So um, I would say, to sum it up, I would say you are con- you're in consultative sales and you need to master that. Absolutely. And I think, I think that advice is very timely with uh, technology mm-hmm. and all the ordering platforms now. Uh, so that's kind of coming out of the sales rep's uh, hands and moving to online. Mm-hmm. So there's more time to dive in deep. And um, we want this podcast to be a venue for sales reps around the country and around the world to be able to gain great knowledge from restaurant owners and other special guests like yourself to help equip them to make a greater impact in the restaurants that they serve. So that is a great piece of advice. Yeah. So, and I think technology, Eric, I think technology um, gives you, a, it's not the, because we have moved on to tech, it doesn't mean that we need to check out as human beings. I think it gives us more opportunity to be human. So like in your space, if I'm placing all the orders online and I don't necessarily need you anymore, if you show up as a human, whether on the internet or in person, you walk into my place, that means so much more. So I think right. tech gives us opportunity to be more human. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so that is our last question on the final crumb, but we are going to, we're going to have a bonus question before we move into the sweet course where you wrap up with one final piece of sweet advice. So one of the things that I've heard you talk about is a business without a purpose that's bigger than money is not a real business. Mm-hmm. So as a bonus bonus question or bonus perspective as we move into wrapping up, dive into that for us. Sure. I believe that it's not what you sell. It's what you stand for. That's going to make a difference, right? If your purpose is to make money and you're destined for mediocrity at best and mediocrity is not a real business because businesses whose primary focus is on money do not create competitive differentiation or emotional engagement required to, to last, to create that lasting success. Um, the best uh, quote I've ever heard or best definition I've heard um, um, around business, what business really means is to profitably or uh, a purpose of business is to profitably create experiences that are so compelling that customer loyalty becomes assured. Uh, now, most successful businesses have a purpose if you think about it. And if you if your overemphasis is on profit, you are kind of looking inward as an organization, as a business. And employees focus on short-term gains. There is little innovation, silos build, and the mediocrity prevails. That's what happens. Um, I love the quote, another quote I can think of, um, Peter Drucker said, profit is not the purpose of business rather than a, a test of its validity, right? Um, so lasting success requires an outward focus. And if you're only focused on money, you're inwardly focused and you cannot really go far. Right. That is, that is great advice. And I think when we think about the communities that we serve in the restaurant industry, there, there are families, they're planning their meals, they've got to feed their families. And mm-hmm. so taking all those things into consideration and, and saying, hey, I want to help people successfully um, feed their family, you know, whether it's in an indulgent fashion, healthy fashion, celebration fashion. I want to help them feed their family and run their family more successfully as being part of the community. I mean, that's a, 
Right. Great. And that is a purpose driven business. Right. You know, and, yeah. and I think there is a, a, we kind of, we sometimes don't understand what purpose means. You know, a lot of business owners I speak to, they think purpose needs to be this, like some kind of, uh, you know, purpose means to save the world. And it doesn't always mean to save the world. You know, Sam Walton had a different purpose. He said, I hope I can save people money so they can have a little, uh, they can live a little better, you know? And that was a great purpose. So absolutely. He leveraged that to the fullest potential. Right. For sure. Well, fantastic that you've shared some great advice with us and, and, uh, maybe down the road, we can get you to come back sometime as we can, uh, continue on this journey and as passion nation continues to grow and develop. But as we wrap up, uh, we'll end this VIP dining experience with Anna sharing one final piece of sweet advice, and then we'll find out how to best connect with her. Mm -hmm. So Anna, what's your final piece of sweet advice for passion nation? I would say nobody makes anything bad anymore. There are hardly any bad products, right, in today's economies. And what's left is the human element. That's the only thing that's going to make a difference. And that's what we're learning in this pandemic. Uh, I think that's what we're learning, how humanity really, really matters. Like being human and understanding other people's humanity and understanding your business from that view um, I think that's what's going to make uh, a biggest difference in your business to put hospitality ahead of service, to put people before numbers, essentially. Great. That sounds great. So let our listeners know how they can best uh, connect with you and, and anything about um, the services and expertise that, that you provide your clients. Sure. Um, so I work with hospitality leaders. I turn them into hospitality culture creators to generate revenue growth, client and uh, client retention and employee engagement. So if any of that speaks to you, um, uh, connect with me. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, Anna Dolce, um, Instagram, or my website, AnnaDolce.com. I do all that via speaking and coaching. Sounds great. And Anna is spelled A-N-N-A. A-N-N-A. Dolce. D-O-L-C-E. D-O-L-C-E. So sounds great. Thank you for that. And I encourage anybody who Anna's message resonates with, connect with her. She would be glad to provide you significant value uh, as she has many of her uh, existing clients. She has many very well-established clients, you know, some for over a decade. So that is great. So Passion Nation, thank you so much for joining us today. I also want to thank Anna for investing her time to serve the industry today by spending some time with us and uh, go visit Anna at AnnaDolce.com. She is making a huge impact on the food service industry. She's willing to do whatever she can to help you and annihilate this uh, pandemic. So annihilate her unique way to annihilate the pandemic. And remember that you are always the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with Eric and Anna today. And with that, we'll catch you on the next episode of Feeding Your, Feeding Your Passion. Until then, go be great, Passion Nation.
As always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe. Also, please visit our website, feedingyourpassion.com, to sign up for our email list so that we can deliver each episode right to your inbox and so that you can give us feedback on our content because we want to be dialed in to what you're passionate about. Until next time, go be great, Passion Nation.